Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. There is actual football to be talked here in talking season. The SEC is having its annual media days. It is not the uh, the circus that it usually is. A little more subdued affair. But our David Ubbin is there. You know David. You love him. He covers Tennessee for the Athletic. He also is the host of Football and Grits, the Athletic's SEC focused podcast. And he drags his co-host, who is just some slappy, through that through the that show every episode. David, welcome. Thank you. Uh, I believe you'll be henceforth referred to as a uh, slappy co-host. So that's always nice. I like uh, it. But yes, uh, when the win free this year is uh, subdued is a good word. Uh, it's it's a little bit weird, but at the same time, I haven't been here in a couple of years. So it's nice to be back with everybody. Well, so you are actually podcasting from the mall that is connected to the win free, the, uh, the Galleria, the, the River Chase that Galleria. That is accurate. I- Yes. Are, are you outside uh, I of believe, Belk? Uh, I, I can see the Belk from where I'm currently sitting. Uh, I was in the Belk shortly, uh, or, or not a few minutes ago, and uh, I believe we are making podcast history. If your memory is correct, that this is the first time that our podcast has been recorded on the athletic platform uh, from a mall. So this feels like a special moment, and I'm glad that you can share that and our listeners can share that. And just... Uh, you know, a little celebration of American commerce. Yes. if I love the smell of commerce in the morning. This is now <laughs> a mall like rat. That's, this is now a mall rat's <laughs> podcast. We're going to talk about how the cookie stand is not, not part of the food court. It is an autonomous unit for mid-mall snacking. Uh, but we will talk about some, some SEC football because uh, the coach you cover was at SEC Media Days on Tuesday, Josh Heupel of Tennessee. Uh, Kirby Smart from Georgia was there. Uh, you had Dan Mullen from Florida and Ed Orgeron from LSU there the day before. Shane Beamer from South Carolina making his SEC Media Days debut. Mike Leach making his SEC Media Days de- debut, even though this is his second year in the conference. He was there Tuesday. Uh, who, who was the most entertaining coach that you saw over the first two days of SEC Media Days? I got to say Lane Kiffin's uh, uh, absolute bewilderment at Bryce Young's seven-figure um, <laughs> NIL cashing in was he, – he, 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 he learned that live on the stage, and I think he was shook for a solid few minutes. Uh, but, I mean, that's, that's what it's going to be. The, the elite guys – the NIL thing is interesting because college football doesn't have that big-time star coming into the season. There's not the Trevor Lawrence. There's not the Johnny Manziel. Um, the, the guy that just is a household name, but there's a bunch of guys who are going to be that in a short amount of time. And Bryce Young's the, uh, uh, I'll have to, I'll have to punt on trying to pronounce DJ, uh, Galele. Hold on, because you, you're okay. going to need to know this. His, his, I feel like his, I have to apologize. His, his younger brother, Mateo, may wind up in the SEC, so you're going to have to know this. Okay. It is. Well, ooh-y. that's good. I apologize. I don't run the ACC podcast, but yeah. uh, I need to practice that. Yes. But these guys that are going to be mega stars, seven figures is, is going to be, for the big, big time guys, is going to be a reality. Um, and it's amazing to me. I, I'm a little bit like Lane Giffen in that you can reach that point without even starting a game. Uh, and, and really even doing anything yet. But th- there's always been money out there. And I think sometimes people have underestimated for the elite guys how much money every single year is going to be there. Well, and the quarterback at Alabama is going to be highly visible. I mean, that, that's it's, yes. it's more for the position. And, and so this was revealed by Nick Saban at the Texas High School Coaches Convention. And that this information spread very quickly. <laughs> and it's one of those things that I, I was, I'm a little surprised that, 
that happened as quickly as it is. Well, we, well, we, we haven't fact-checked Nick Saban on this. We don't have an exact figure yet. But Bryce did sign with CAA, though, so you got to yeah. give him some props there. <laughs> right, So and CAA, one of the biggest agencies in the country. Oh, by the way, uh, Jimmy Sexton, Nick Saban's agent, also works for CAA. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Huh. I don't know. It's, huh. But, but <laughs> anywho, this is going to happen with the, with the positions that are very just out there. I mean, the quarterback at Alabama, the quarterback at Ohio State, no matter who you are, you are going to be extremely visible. The quarterback at Texas is going to be extremely visible. The quarterback at Texas A&M, whether that's Zach Calzada or Haynes King, is going to be very visible. So mm-hmm. that's one of those things where the position itself, it's almost like endowing the position. Yeah, and I think, too, when we get to November and guys that you didn't know a month ago are all of a sudden you know, Heisman contenders, there's going to be a window for guys to cash in because, you know, uh, I like to call it the, the Brandon Whedon factor. You can go from being a household name, you're going to be a Heisman contender, you might win the thing, to being a non-factor in the race with one loss and with one game. And guys are going to want to cash in on that because you never really know. And you might not be the quarterback at Alabama or Texas a and You might be the quarterback at, at, uh, at Purdue or South Carolina or somewhere that isn't a traditional power when you have that moment. You can cash in in a big way uh, when you're when you're doing those things. And uh, again, I, I, I'm just glad that players have this ability now. It's very cool to see. Uh, you know, there might be some issues at some point, but uh, it's nice to see the free market doing work and and players being able to to capitalize when they are at their. For a lot of these guys, maybe not the Bryce Youngs of the world, but for many many guys, they'll never be as valuable as they are in these four years. Well, you write a great story about Grant Freak. Is it Furking? Is that how he pronounces the last name? The first R is silent, so it's Furking, yes. Oh, Grant Furking. So he is a walk-on at Tennessee, and you've written about him before. He is actually the CEO of his own company. His company basically yes. provides ground cover on an industrial scale. Like if you are a university or a company and you want to have pine straw or wood chips covering your campus, you call him, and he sends the trucks out to dump it all in there, and now he is doing all kinds of stuff related to NIL where he's, he's actually hiring his teammates to advertise his company. Yes, it's a, he's in a really fantastic spot. For one, the funniest part about his company is while he was playing for Tennessee, he was getting paid by Auburn, Vanderbilt, Georgia, Tennessee, multiple other schools for his landscaping work. But yeah, so he did a couple small NIL deals on his own from some local restaurants, and then he was paying his teammates to advertise not only his straw business, but now he started another business, uh, GTF uh, Enterprises, which is basically its own agency to try and help broker some of these deals because he has a lot of trust and uh, guys, you know, he's been in the locker room with these guys for four or five years and he has contacts from his days back in Atlanta. So he's brokering those deals, building his own business um, and doing all those things. And uh, so helping broker deals for himself and his teammates and trying to figure out what all that looks like, paying his teammates to advertise those businesses and having his own deals. He's a, uh, he's a wheeling and dealing right now. And, and it's a really interesting spot that he's in. And I'm not sure there was any athlete in America that was more prepared for, for the advent of uh, NIL than, than Mr. Grant Furking. Well, and, and one of his ideas was fantastic and will be copied all over the country. And that's doing golf tournaments where you basically yes. pair a player with the foursome and you know, the, the players who play in the tournament split the take. And it's, it's a great idea. 
I've heard that people who play a lot of golf have a lot of disposable income, Andy. I don't know if you've heard those rumors. Yeah, they keep, like, well, they keep dumping like a, balls in the lake. That, that, that <laughs> they're disposing of it every time they shoot. Every time they take a shot over the water. I think people who don't play golf would be surprised to learn that some golf balls are five and six bucks a pop. They are. Uh, it's an interesting uh, uh, market there. Um, but yeah, I just think the possibilities are so endless, and people's creativity and ingenuity is going to be rewarded um, for there's a million different ways that you can do this. And one of the things he also talked about, if you can read this, the story that we wrote about his sort of new era is that we've seen this at Auburn too, but group camps, it doesn't have to be one guy. It can be a host of guys. You organize it by yourself. You get guys to pay. Everybody splits the cost. And then while you're there, one of the things that Grant was talking about is talking about how to, you know, help build your brand and help, you know, allow you to, to make the most of your college experience and say, hey, this is how Tennessee is helping us. This is how Auburn is helping us. And sort of pay it forward to the school and that you're getting paid. Yep. You're helping recruit young people who get a positive interaction with your school. And it's really an everybody wins situation that, you know, again, it's going to be hard for anybody to say, well, I don't know if I'm comfortable with that. It's just, it's, it's a, there's just so many ways this can go and so many uh, possibilities that it's, uh, it's cool to see that, that ingenuity and, and originality be, be rewarded. Yeah, and I think there's money to be made in some of the more niche sports too. Like where, where I live in in Gainesville, yeah. Florida, it's a big volleyball town because Florida has a really good volleyball program. And like, if the best player on Florida's volleyball team starts offering private lessons, parents will throw money at that at her because no question, there's there's not that many people who are really good at teaching volleyball. Like, it's hard to find somebody like that. So if if that mm-hmm. person is available to you you're going to take advantage of it. So I, I, I'm really interested to see just how all these folks do it. But, but Grant is, is fascinating to me because he does seem like he was the best prepared for this and is the most creative so far. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to, uh, to ask uh, Tennessee about this. I need to, I need to text uh, uh, sports information director extraordinaire Bill Martin. I would have kicked around the idea of bringing Grant to media days. I think in a year, in a normal year, where you can bring four or five guys, I, I wonder if Tennessee would have done that. But this year, with just two, uh, I, I might have focused on the offense and brought a couple receivers. And, and well, defense, we can talk about that later. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, they brought they brought two super seniors, right? Yes. Yes. So, so a couple sixth year guys. Yeah. Now one one guy spent four of those years at USC, but still, they're they're super seniors, and I I think the super senior thing really helps Tennessee this year because of their scholarship situation. Because of the the exodus in the transfer portal, uh, the fact that those guys could come back keeps them from getting into a really precarious scholarship hole. Like they're going to be able to stay close to eighty five, yeah. no matter what happens here. So I, I think that the super senior thing came along at the right time for them. It does help them. I'll have to correct myself. I think Alante Taylor is only a fourth year oh, senior. He's played every year, he? but God, but it feels like he's been there forever. Yeah, but, <laughs> Yeah, it feels like it, but he's he's just been starting. This will be his fourth year starting. But he, the Tennessee, I want to say they had 11 guys exercise the additional year. And I think, uh, I'd have to update the scholarship chart, but I think they're at 73 scholarships or something like that, which is a lot more doable uh, than, than trying to live with, you know, 60 scholarship guys. And yeah. uh, I think they had five or six guys on the defensive line. It's Tennessee has been moving to the transfer portal so much that it's, it's hard to keep track of that total number, but it definitely, the super senior year definitely helped uh, absorb some of that blow where they're not going to be deep. They're going to have depth issues, but it's not nearly as bad as it, as it could be in a lot of places. Yeah. I, by the way, I keep screwing that up with uh, with Zachary Carter at Florida, the D lineman. I, I keep thinking, thinking he's a super senior, but he's not, he, 
He's a fifth-year senior <laughs> who would have been eligible no matter what this year because he actually did redshirt his freshman year. But it's it's just hard to we keep need that to re- we need to re- yeah we need to refer to our uh, our colleague Stu Mandel's uh, he's still around team yes uh, that he ran this week that's a great idea. <laughs> well, uh, like Austin Deculus came to SEC Media Days for LSU and Austin Deculus blocked for Danny Etling, <laughs> like. And Joe Burrow, as one does, <laughs> and both quarterbacks last year. So he he's had quite a, a career. I, I joked on Twitter that he also blocked for Tommy Hodson, but I yeah he's he's been around <laughs> a while. But it, yeah, it, it's it's going to be interesting because I think that's going to boost the super senior thing is going to boost the lower tier teams in the Power Five and the the better teams in the Group of Five. The the, the we talked about this with Ari on Monday where we we're talking about the Ragin' Cajuns going to play Texas in the first game. And teams like Louisiana Lafayette, like Coastal Carolina, like Liberty, those are going to be like the mid-major team in basketball that that has had five seniors that have started together since they were freshmen. And you're going to mm-hmm. see a lot of that at the top of the group of five and at the bottom of the power five, which the the level of play this year just might be higher than, than what we're used to seeing and maybe higher than we're ever going to see again. I think you're probably right, um, and I think you're going to see a lot more depth too, because you know we talk about Tennessee, but the flip side of that is a lot of teams. You know, you have what the the 85 scholarship one, but there's going to be some teams that have 88, 89, 90 guys, and and that doesn't sound like a lot, but when you add those five, that if they're coming back, they're probably contributing, and now your depth chart, which might be 44 guys, looks a lot more like 49 or 50, and that that's more significant than it sounds like on paper, and that depth, you know, when you come to uh, November when guys are banged up and you need to rotate guys or, or, you know, guys are done for the year or injuries come in to come into play. Uh, I think you're right. I think you could see a, a higher level of play uh, for all those reasons. We'll be right back after these words. So one of the more interesting things that, that was talked about Tuesday at SEC Media Days was John McDade, their coordinator of officials, came out and said that they're making – faking injuries a point of emphasis, but they're not making a rule. And this is one of those things I've thought about a lot because I hate when when it, it's clearly a team faking an injury to slow down the opposing offense. It you can tell when when somebody like catches a signal from the sideline and it just drops like they, you know, like a sniper got them. And it's a cramp, Andy. It's a cramp. You need to respect cramps. <laughs> oh, I trust me. I have. I, I I've had the double. <laughs> I, I grew up in Florida. Like I've had the double calf cramps. That when you try to stretch them out, then your <laughs> both quads cramp up, and and it's you're just into a pretzel by the end of it. So like I get that part of it, but there are people who fake injuries. But I don't think you can make a rule because of the the issue comes in when it is a real injury. What if it is a real injury? Like, what if it's a somebody who got knocked in the head, does not realize mm-hmm. they're concussed, and it takes a few seconds for their teammates to figure out what's going on with them, and the teammates say, get down and start calling for this? Because we've seen that before. We've seen that happen. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we're seeing a little bit of that uh, uh, sort of SEC superiority check-in, because if this is a problem that could be fixed, the Big 12 would have tried to fix it 15 years yeah, ago. Yeah, they had this to. This is not new. Yeah. Yeah, it's like this is not new. Like it just pace and fast paced uh, offenses are, are a little bit new in the SEC, uh, newer. And schools have figured out, hey, if we're in a bad spot, go down, and there's nothing anybody can do about it. And that's something that the Big Twelve coaches were fighting about twenty, you know, years ago. And there's just 
there's just not much you can do because any solution that you have produces a whole host of problems. And when those problems present problems for player safety, well, then you can't do those things. And it's just one of those things that it sucks. And, you know, shame is the only weapon that you have. <laughs> and, and I believe that's what they're going to use because John McDade gave the example yes. of, he said, well, everybody wants them to make a rule that says if a guy comes out, he can't come back until his team's made a first down or the next series or whatever. And, and made the good point that let's say the center gets hurt and knows that, you know, maybe he could get this taped up or straightened out on the sideline in a play or two, but isn't going to do that because they know if they go out, they might not get back in that series. And so they're going to try to tough it out. And then, then you've got potentially a worse injury coming because they're, they're playing vulnerable. So I, I get where they're coming from. So what they want you to do is if they if you think your opponent is faking an injury to slow you down, the following week you send the video to Steve Shaw, the, the national director of officials, and if it is determined that they were faking the injury, that it was not legitimate, it sounds like public shaming will happen. Now, like the, the Pac-12 suspended, I believe it was Tosh Lapoy when, when he was a, an assistant at Cal because of this. I wonder if leagues will then start disciplining coaches because that that probably is the way to go is is get the coaches for it, yeah. not the players. That's the only recourse that you have because you can't penalize players for following direction. In most cases, it is coaches saying, oh, no, we only have 10 guys on the field or, oh, no, we're out of position. They're ready to snap it. Get down, get down, get down. You know, you mentioned that a lot of places have, have signals for it, uh, have calls for it, and it is what it is. And that part of it, you know, you can try your best to legislate out of the game. I wouldn't be against them suspending coaches um, if it's pretty obvious. And, uh, and especially if somebody dimes them out of like, hey, they told me to do that, you know, which you might see. Um, but I, I, I'm with you on that. I, I don't think you can penalize players for it. I don't think you can do much in terms of, you know, throwing a flag or all that kind of stuff. It gets a little bit muddy in that instance. Uh, and, and again, you're, you're, you're incentivizing guys to do things that are less safe uh, if you start doing that. But uh, I, I think, Suspending coaches is really the only other recourse that you might have. Well, I'm not saying the head coaches in at the major college level have big egos, but my suspicion is if there was a risk that they would have to miss a game if they were caught, if their team was caught faking an injury, that there would not be any injuries faked anymore. I think you may be right about that. <laughs> so I, that that's the part, but you know, how do you, there's a lot of, how do you prove intent here? And we'll just have to see yep. what happens. But uh, that is something that, that the SEC, and, and it's not just the SEC. I believe that's a national point of emphasis, and they're just trying to figure it out. It's, a, it's an optics thing. It looks bad. It makes the game look dumb. You know, you don't see that in the NFL. It doesn't happen there. Although I, my guess is it's just more sophisticated in the NFL if it happens there. It just feels, it feels like traffic to me. It sucks. Everybody hates it. There's not much you can do about it. Right, because the, the one time you make a rule or you do something – and then there's this legit, there's a legitimate injury, and you say somebody's faking. Not only are you wrong, you're gonna feel awful about that. You're gonna feel terrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, so yeah, I'm, I'm I'm with you on that. There's there's really not a ton you can do. Although I I have a potential. Well, I don't know if the, that's gonna change any faking injuries things, but I wouldn't mind them going to the NFL headsets and the helmets thing. And at least you could get rid of the uh, the cartoons on the sidelines. <laughs> I like the cartoons on the sidelines. <laughs> I like them too, but wouldn't it be easier if the coaches just say, here's the play to the quarterback? 
You're probably right. I mean, I mean the, the, uh, the then, Power uh, 5 teams can afford these see. headsets. <laughs> I don't think they're that expensive. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I can get that yeah, technology. I, I want to... I want to see a fruit roll up in Speedy Gonzalez on a plaster on a, on a big poster board on the sidelines. <laughs> that's, that's that's true. That is true. So you you were not at the most interesting media day on Tuesday. I don't know if you knew that because which one most, am I missing? The most interesting media day was the SWAC media day, uh, which Dion Sanders walked out of because he was referred to as Dion and not Coach. And I've also wanted to walk out of media days, but not because anybody called me my name. But he, he said you wouldn't call Nick Saban Nick. Apparently, Dion does not follow the college football internet <laughs> because there was a whole thing about calling Nick Saban Nick last December. Like, how could Dion forget the impassioned Facebook post by WVTM anchor Rick Carl, who insists that we should never, ever call Nick Saban Nick, even though that's what his mom named him, that we should only call him <laughs> Coach because Rick has been on a boat with Nick Saban one time. Well, this is the part where I have to confess that I have forced our entire staff to call me writer. No one calls me David. Our entire athletic staff only refers to me as writer. And that's just the way that I prefer it. And um, if anyone goes against that, I, I have a problem with that. And it's, it's a matter of respect, Andy. It's a matter of respect. And I feel like America would be better if we just all referred to each other as our jobs and not our names. And yeah. I don't know that you can talk me out of that. Well, Rick Carl, I'm sure, would have called Deion Sanders coach, and, and Deion would have stayed oh, and answered questions. Uh, Rick, by the way, he had a list of who's allowed to call Nick Saban Nick. Uh, Miss Terry, Nick's wife. Sure, I would hope. Lifelong friends. I've Senator Joe Manchin, I assume. Uh, current assistants. Although, some of those guys are new. I, I, even I don't that, think even those that guys in, probably call him coach. Do you think Bill O'Brien feels like he can be that informal? He just got there. Yeah, I, I'd be curious to hear. Uh, I, I would bet you that more percentage of his assistants call him coach than percentage of media call Nick Saban coach. So, so that in itself is a, is a flawed statistic, I would say, uh, I would from say our so. friend who is making up these rules as we go along. <laughs> Rick Carl also said that that Chris Lowe of ESPN, Cecil Hurt of the Tuscaloosa News, Paul Feinbaum, maybe <laughs> Paul Feinbaum, and maybe Reese Davis, and maybe Tom Rinaldi can call him Nick. I but love nobody this. else. I forgot about the media list. <laughs> <laughs> nobody else. So, but I have a theory about Deion Sanders walking out of the, the media day. Because I don't think it would have mattered what had happened. I think Dion probably would have done something because if Deion Sanders sits there and answers questions about his football team, does it make national news? Probably not. If Deion Sanders walks out because someone called him Deion, does it make national news? Well, we're talking about it, Andy. So I think we know the answer to that yeah. question. <laughs> I, I think it, Mission accomplished, you know, primetime. I, I am I am skeptic. I, I, I don't disagree with you. I think he certainly has taken the... Uh, uh, the Jim Harbaugh approach of, of PR management uh, in terms of his early run here. But I, I just, uh, it, it has bugged me because, you know, he obviously came, he didn't have a lot of coaching experience. He'd done some high school stuff and that kind of stuff. But there are just so many coaches who would relish having that opportunity and be able to um, create something at Jackson State and HBCU, um, especially black coaches where those are some of their best opportunities. And it feels like he, in a lot of ways, has made a mockery of, of 
the profession in some ways. It's it's hard to see um, because you know it, it just feels like you know last year you don't really know they were they were fine. I think it went four and three in the, in the COVID shortened season, but it's just I, I, this kind of stuff where it's just it, it becomes a spectacle where you know after the first game. I guess he was accusing somebody of coming into the locker room and stealing his wallet or something like that. And eventually I guess they realized that somebody just moved it or something like that. But it was like, again, most coaches, everything that they do, they try to make it about their players, most coaches. And it feels like that is not the case at H at, uh, at uh, Jackson state and, and with this Dion situation. And it's, you know, it, it's, it's been hard to watch um, because I, I feel like, again, he, he's, he's, He's made kind of a mockery of the, of the situation and, and the opportunity he's been given because he's Deion Sanders and he's larger than life. And, um, you know, a lot of guys have grinded in the coaching profession that, that he has not. And it, it just the whole situation, every time we see another headline where you've never seen a coach do this before, it's just it's frustrating to me. Well, I, I just if he can make them better, fine. If he makes Jackson State better, if he gets better players for Jackson State, which it, it seems like he's he's able to do so far. But it, the question for me is, is he in this for the long haul? Because can he make that program better if he can? And, and let's say he moves on to a better coaching job after that. Because if he, if he makes the program better, he should be per, per, pursued yeah. for better coaching jobs. Then that's and great. He will. Then that's great. But don't, don't do it. At, publicity stunt after publicity stunt is not necessarily going to get you there you know we saw lane kiffin actually try that at tennessee and Mm -hmm. it didn't really work in the long term now granted he let he leaves for usc after a year but i don't think it made tennessee better at football when lane kiffin was there yeah and i and i just don't think it's i don't think it's positive you know you can create a stir and create pr and you know there's there's not all publicity stunts are created equal and and you have and you know, you Lane Kiffin doesn't like, do it you know, now. Larger than life. Yeah, yeah. It's, that's a big. That's a that's a that's a real point. And guess what? His teams have been better since he hasn't done it. But I just think you know, you already have you have an HBCU. You have a lot of more motivation than a lot of guys have ever had. They've been able to recruit some legitimate Power Five talent to come to Jackson State. You have Deion Sanders. You have this pretty interesting staff. You already have a lot to sell. You don't have to do this crap. Like it, it, it's frustrating to see because again, if you want to pull a publicity stunt of you know, my quarterback is better than Bryce Young or whatever. At least you're you're backing your guys or whatever and you're 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 promoting your program and doing all those things. You're not really doing that when somebody broke into the locker room and stole my wallet and I you know, you're you're right. opening your first game presser talking about that and now you're walking out because somebody disrespected you and like even if they did disrespect you, which they didn't, there's just a more balanced way to handle that. And you sound like an insane person when you leave a room because somebody didn't show you the same respect that they would show Nick Saban, which nobody actually does right. anyway. It's just it's frustrating people call Nick Saban Nick. There are quite a few people who do that, and Nick Saban answers yes. their questions. <laughs> yes. That's what Dion said you get cussed out if you do that. No, I've actually seen it many times. Nick Saban just answers the question. <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah, it's just frustrating to see. I, I, I don't, you know, I, you know, I work in uh, uh, the media. I don't mind a publicity stunt. It is what it is. But when it's just like, when it's this, and when you're doing things that uh, I, I think are 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 really just not what college football needs, it's it's hard to it's hard to stomach that. 
We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. I have a question for you, David. I want your help with this one. One of our readers yes. has reached out for the Dear Andy column this week, and it's a really great question. And I think you're uniquely qualified because you've covered a lot of the teams that we would probably be talking about in this group. And I want you to see if you can help me narrow the choices down for this guy. So this is from our friend Adam, who lives in the UK. I'll, I'll read you the question. I live in the UK and have followed college football on and off for about 15 years now, but I still don't root for a team. It's about time I change that. And he says, here, here are the needs. One, an energetic fan base. Two, good TB aesthetics. I don't know. I'm not sure I know what TB means. It's not Tom Brady. But he says, no domes. So sorry, Syracuse. Three, stylish uniforms. Don't care about, one, recent success. Two, scheme or play style. Three, conference. Bonus points for a state with no pro teams in any of the big four sports what are your suggestions? And so a few things popped immediately into my head, and, and quite a few in the SEC. Uh, obviously, the two Alabama schools fit the bill for this, although I think both of them are out because of recent success. Like, Adam mm -hmm. seems to want an underdog, and Alabama and Auburn having won national titles this century, that's not an underdog. Mm-hmm. Well... Just my first reaction, Ole Miss and Oklahoma State jump out to me. The Thunder are in Oklahoma. So the, that uh, – Okay. So they don't qualify. That's but fair. Old, but the but Thunder both? are terrible and are, it appear to be terrible for the, for the, for the uh, foreseeable future. Yeah. So, and they, that's, that's and they, they don't have the same foothold. And they've only been in uh, yeah. Oklahoma City for like 10 years. They're so, still the Supersonics uh, to me. Yeah, yeah. So maybe – so I guess that does, that does disqualify um, – uh, them. But what about uh, how do we feel? How do we feel about Cal? I like the blue and gold. But Cal has the state of California has too many. Pro I mean, they play. Okay, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Right near the Warriors. This guy has. I need to see these. I need to see these on paper. This guy is very picky. Well, I think I'm going to go with Ole Miss. I like well, the powder what about, blues. What about uh, Mississippi play all State? That the whole the both sides of the Egg Bowl qualify. Arkansas qualifies. South Carolina qualifies. Kentucky qualifies. Well, but he said uniforms were important, though, right? He did say uniforms were important, old, but I, I the would old argue Miss script, the old Miss yeah. script, the powder blue. That's that's selling it for me. A sprinting hog is a fine, beautiful thing to me. So that's true. How about Nebraska? I like Nebraska. Now that's good. I the, the pure red. Mm -hmm. uh, we won't tell them about the the Ohio State uh, periodic table uniforms they had a few years. Ago. No, no. Well. well, well We'll we'll make sure that our friend in the UK never sees those. How, how about uh, but I Iowa? Like I love the Tiger Hawk logo. I mean, those are those uniforms. I are like sweet. the Tiger Hawk logo, but I, the the logo, but the the logo is great. The uniforms themselves are, are not for me. Uh, you're gonna have a hard time convincing me that the, the powder blue Ole Miss ones are not a winner here. They they are some of the best ones. Uh, now I am partial to to the South Carolina garnet helmet with the black jersey. I, I like that. I think that that and and that is a passionate fan They're one base. One of the few schools that gets to wear teeth. black because it's an actual it's an actual school color. So I, I'm into that. Yeah, and they'll go all black sometimes, or they'll go all garnet. Yeah, yes. there's a lot of there's a lot of variation with them. Uh, but the Ole Miss thing, I, I do think the uniforms do help Ole Miss's case quite a bit. I I think in terms of energetic fan base, I think Arkansas really really qualifies there. But you you also he said conference didn't matter, so you could go Boise State. 
if you think they're yeah, uniforms are Boise. Cool. There's a lot. Yeah, Boise. I love the Boise uniforms. They switch it up a little bit. The turf, I'm sure. He didn't mention turf colors, but I can't imagine. Uh, I, I'm I'm still a little bit confused on what TB aesthetics are, but uh, I'll just say we'll, we'll we'll throw the turf into that. Uh, sure, why not? I think he'll be into that. Uh, so I like. We come with some what about what about Coastal Carolina though? Coastal Carolina fits this category too. I got to tell you, and listen, I want you to sit down when I say this. Okay. I don't like the teal. I'm sorry. I love the <laughs> offense. Big fan of Chadwell. The teal is not for me. The chicken, I'm not a huge fan. That's a uh, Chanticleer, the, the sir. Chanticleer. A Chanticleer. I know, but it's not, it's not for me. It's not for me. I love everything about them except for the uniforms and the logo. I'm not a fan. How, how about how about the discussion that, that was probably had? Well, there's already another chicken mascot in the state, so we're going to have to come up with a That's secondary a, a secondary chicken mascot. <laughs> so The Chanticleer Gamecock rivalry is one for the ages. Jacksonville State, if we're talking Gamecocks, I mean this this they also could be yeah they, they would they would fit the criteria here, but yeah I think there's a lot of good options. You're gonna have to read in the Athletic on Thursday to see which team I I, I recommend for Adam, but there there are so many good choices here, and I just hopefully we'll be able to come up with a good one, and Adam will then take that advice and run with it. Uh, the, I put this question out to the people, and they wanted to know which football, non-American football team, Adam, and I was going to say roots for, but supports. Um, yeah, yes. So I'm still waiting for the answer to that question, because I feel like that will also give us some, some insight onto, into where we should guide Adam. He feels like a Spurs guy for reasons I can't really grab onto. And what would that, what would that mean? So you would another chicken mascot, by the way, another chicken mascot, like kind of like up and coming, but like, not like the Kings, not, not, not the Kings of the, uh, of the road. Uh, but you know, you got some money, you can do some things. I like I like the Tottenham, uh, uh, jerseys. I like those. I, I played with them on FIFA from time to time. Uh, if, if he is indeed a Spurs fan, I, uh, I I need to get some sort of compensation for correctly guessing this. If he's a Spurs fan, we have to guide him towards South Carolina or Coastal. I feel yeah, like there's no other way. It, it has to be. Yeah, you're not wrong. If, if he is indeed a Spurs fan, he has no choice. It has to be South Carolina or Coastal. But maybe he hates Teal too, and then South Carolina walks away with it. And then we can show him the clowny hit, and he'll be in forever. <laughs> oh, I was there live for that. <laughs> you're not supposed to yell or, or react in the press box. You're just supposed to sit there and watch the game. That is the only time I've ever been in a press box where I stood up and went, Oh, after a play. <laughs> oh man. Because remember incredible what preceded that play. That, this is the part that everybody forgets. Michigan did not make a first down. They measured. It clearly wasn't a first down and the officials are like, you know what? First down. And this was right, at, right in front of the South Carolina sideline. And the whole South Carolina sideline is, what? What just happened here? And so there's a lot of confusion. And then the ball gets snapped, and, and then Vincent Smith explodes. I think my favorite image that I always think about is Clowney just on top of him and reaching his like hand and just grabbing the ball. 
His hand, I'm not sure any human hand has ever looked more massive. His non-dominant hand just reaches and grabs it like from behind <laughs> and, and plucks it like the rest of us would pluck an egg off the ground. It was unbelievable. So, yes, oh, I, I think I think that might get Adam on board. But you know, I, I if he's an Arsenal fan, I don't know what if that changes stuff. If he's a if he's a Man U fan or a Man City fan, does that does that guide him in a different direction? I, I, I'm going to need people with more expertise than me, and that would be all of you guys who do follow this stuff who cover college football. I'm like the only one who – I think maybe Texas. Yeah, I think you're right about that. I, I don't know that much about the, uh, the, the beautiful game, but I, I, I do know that much. Uh, but I, I feel like I'm the only one of us who, A, does not follow international soccer and, B, does not watch The Bachelor. So I, I don't really I'm not in any of the tough, cool kids that's a discussions. Tough corner. Yeah. I don't watch enough of the Premier League just because I'm not committed to waking up on Saturdays. I like international soccer. I like uh the international events. I, I love the Euros and the World Cup. Uh and I'll watch like Champions League if it's on in the afternoon. But I, I just don't have enough bandwidth in my life to get very invested in the Premier League, but I do uh play a decent amount of FIFA and I'm into that. So most of what I know about soccer comes from FIFA. Well, that's okay because there's a whole generation raised on on NCAA football, and they're about to get their game back. So very true. I, I'm okay. I think with that's that. me. <laughs> well, David, there's probably a GameStop in that mall. It doesn't have NCAA yet, but if it still it exists, if it and I think the uh, the GameStop stock stonk surge earlier in the year probably will make sure there's a brick and mortar GameStop when. That game comes out in a couple of years. So I think you you might actually be able to trot down there after SEC Media Days 2023 and pick up a copy. Well, true story, actually, Andy. Uh, when the last summer, whenever NCAA was kind of having its resurgence, when, I don't know, people were just playing it more, uh, I briefly discussed with my wife, hey, I should go get a 360 because I still have all the old NCAA games. Uh, Andy, she did not take well to that to that idea. <laughs> but instead, I had like four old copies of NCAA, and I just put them on YouTube. And the two most recent ones, I think, I sold fourteen for like one hundred and fifty bucks or something wow. like that. It was insane. And I think I sold eleven. I had I had eleven, twelve, thirteen, and fourteen, and it was like one hundred and fifty, ninety, seventy, and like twenty five. And I was like. Well, that was uh, very easy to do. <laughs> I'm glad you struck uh, while the iron was hot because pretty soon people should yeah. be able to download the new one and they'll be done with pretty the much. secondary market. So look at you. You're, see, it, you're not that far behind the, the players in the age of NIL. You, you know how to make Ingenuity, some Ingenuity, baby. Ingenuity. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I figured this stuff sitting around, I am not going to get any use out of this, but I think there's real value for it. And uh, eBay proved me right. That's exactly right. David Ubbin, you can hear him on Football and Grits. You can read him at The Athletic. He is the best. He's at the mall. He's probably going to go get a pretzel now with some cinnamon and sugar on it or maybe a frappuccino. We'll see. David, thank you so much. Maybe some cookies. I'm a great American cookie sugar sugar cookie loyalist, so we'll see about that. Thanks, Andy. Get the one with the M&Ms in it. (laughs) 